Yes, hello my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. Hayden, to be honest with you, to be honest with the viewers, I sucked last week during this preview show. I prepared my butt off for today. Not saying I see the board great, picked a few underdogs last week, but I'm ready to roll, give some great information out there so we can all win together here in week three. How you doing, buddy? It is the uh, Josh Norris Dak Prescott Comeback Player of the Year award <laughs> this week, apparently. I, I can't wait to hear what you, what you found. Uh, I've got some good stuff. I've got some good stuff. Again, all of you, thank you all for being here. We are here, remember, on Sunday mornings as well for our pregame show, pick your starting lineup, start set questions, then instant reactions at 7.30 on Sunday evenings as well as soon as the 4 o'clock games end. We're back with an awesome show on Tuesdays where we kind of combine film and data and then here for a game-by-game look at the upcoming slate. Hayden, let's roll. Let's start off with the... And by the way, you can find all this good information that you're hearing Hayden talk about on the Fantasy Blueprint. That's on underblog.underdogfantasy.com. We start off with Washington, Buffalo, Bills, seven and a half point favorites, 45 total in this game. Hayden, so much of the conversation right now is around Josh Allen, that he's just not on fire anymore. Um, I would also point some... You know, criticism should be pointed at the Washington football team's defense as well, because they're not stopping really anyone so far this year. But what's your view on if they can, this can be kind of a quote-unquote bounce-back spot for Josh Allen into the elite status among the league leaders? He's missed some throws so far, but he's it's also been like a couple of downfield shots that are kind of hard to complete, that if he would have thrown those, we wouldn't have any uh, talk about this. The one thing, though, is they're still – uh, number one in pace and number one in neutral pass rate. And when you have that type of play volume, like it doesn't really truly matter that much how many passes Josh Allen is completing. Like the, the play volume is absurd. J- Stefan Diggs is still really good. He's a bounce back candidate after getting kind of shut down by the Dolphins elite corners. Um, I'm, I'm with you though. The Washington's defense has not looked as good as expected. I'm guessing that's going to turn around. Like there's just too much talent on, uh, both sides of the ball here. This is a good matchup. I don't think that I would be overly concerned about Washington's defense or the Bills passing offense. Yeah. Uh, your point on, on Josh Allen is important, I believe, because I think a lot of people can get to like the small little details and the finer points of that and worry too much about his play. And it can be a roller coaster when in reality, if you zoom out, this is still an offense that we want pieces of. Like this is still an offense that we absolutely believe in. Like Stefan Diggs is going to have a big game at some point. And Hayden, as we look at it with the usage, Emmanuel Sanders is going to have a big game at, at some point. And quickly about Washington versus Buffalo. The, this Bills offensive line isn't playing as well either as in compared to previous years. And if you remember in week one, the Bills went up, but the Steelers and their great defensive linemen and their good secondary was able to come from behind and help that team You know, win. Washington is one of the few types across the league that might have equal talents that match a lot of those Steelers players. So I think that that's their best avenue for success in this game. And Hayden, anytime you have last week, like a 46-yard touchdown run to start the game from the Buffalo Bills, you know they're going to be in complete control of that game. I don't expect that to happen in this contest. There's something I'm I'm picking up with man coverage versus zone coverage. Last year, both Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley – 
were top seven wide receivers, top seven in yards per route run versus zone coverage. They struggle against man coverage and vice versa with Stephon Diggs. And that makes sense if you just look at their what kind of skill sets Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders are bringing versus Stephon Diggs. And Washington was 10th in zone coverage last year. So I think this is a chance for Cole Beasley to kind of cash in on his usage, Emmanuel Sanders to cash in on his usage, and Stefan Diggs at the end of it, end, end of the day. He's going to be seeing a little bit of Benjamin St. Juice, who's a rookie. That triggers a rookie cornerback alert. I think that the Bills will be totally fine here. Yeah. Uh, let's move on over to Washington's offense because on our fantasy usage show on Tuesdays, again, go back and watch that after this if you want to. We outlined that Taylor Heineke is not on the Alex Smith trajectory of when he's in the game that they're just going to check down and it really limits the offense. It's very different, in fact. I mean, Washington has a league-leading 70 I want to bring this up because this has like something to do with Antonio Gibson as well. 77% red zone pass rate. And so while they're not checking the ball down to their running backs as often as they did last year, hey, they're also throwing a lot in the red zone, which I believe can have an impact on Antonio Gibson's high-value touches because we know he's not getting a lot of those high-value touches in the passing game as well. I don't have a reason why Washington would keep up this kind of small sample thing with the red zone stuff. I, I think the, the bigger thing is uh, Jaden McKissick's not leaving on the two-minute drill stuff, and Antonio Gibson's running a little more routes, but Taylor Heineke's not going to throw the ball down as much. And uh, right now, I mean, Antonio Gibson needs positive game scripts kind of, and they're projected to lose by nine and a half points on the road. And I think one of the bigger storylines on this side of the ball is Buffalo's defensive line looks much better. They go way deeper. That was their number one offseason priority. Even the overfixing the offensive line or the secondary that was kind of banged up and struggling last year, it was what can we do with this defensive line? And through two weeks, they're third in adjusted sack rate. So I think that's kind of where the Bills, even if they regress on offense a little bit, there was a lot of room for improvement on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's going to give Washington's offensive line some troubles here. Yeah. I mean, the Bills offense carried them last year. It's much more of a balanced team as as we look at it. And just the final point, and I agree with you, part of that 77% rate I think is because they've been trailing in a lot of these games. And so it's it's more difficult to run in those situations as well. And their offensive line just aren't full of bullies. And so when you get yes. down to short yard situations, spreading them out. But again, I just want to reiterate that when we looked at the passing chart from Taylor Heineke, he's throwing at all levels. Like do not downgrade Logan Thomas. Do not downgrade Terry McLaurin in these situations at all based on what you previously thought of them with Ryan Fitzpatrick, because his talent actually might be somewhat similar. I won't say that too loudly, but I think they're still ranking fifth in plays per minute. I mean, Scott Turner is keeping up that pace. He is keeping yes. up that pace. Um, all right, let's jump to the next game. That's the Chicago Bears and the Cleveland Browns. Browns seven-point favorites, total of 45 and a half. Sorry, Browns, we love you. But Hayden, the story of this contest, what we've been waiting on, Justin Fields starting debut this is a player who i believe had 121 rushing yards in the preseason you can get his rushing yards props out there in places at about like 46 and a half at underdog i believe it's at like 236 over under total yards 268 something like that uh hayden what do we expect from justin fields in his starting debut against one of the best teams overall in the nfl and the cleveland browns I think it's going to be very sloppy, and I'm not surprised that the Bears are only projected to score 20 points this week. The Browns' defense, it's it, they're definitely trying to figure things out, but there's way more talent this year than there was last year. And the, the, or the Bears' offensive line, it's not just their tackle spots. Their center was looking really bad. They were struggling to get the ball off on time. And Justin Fields, like you said, I, I think he's going to be scrambling 
yeah. a ton here, j- partially because the offensive line, partially because he's still learning things, um, partially just because he's not e- like not even joking. Outside of Miles Garrett, he's probably the best athlete on the field, which is insane. Um, so I, I think that he's going to be kind of backdoor his way into maybe borderline quarterback one uh, production here. I'm not expecting a clean game from Justin Fields. No. If Justin, Justin Fields comes out here and balls right away, like that is really, really positive for the Bears. Going on the road against the Browns is not an easy look when the offensive line looks like it right now. Yeah, he, he has that wild card, right? Like even though he makes mistakes – either you know not recognizing a pre-snap blitz or missing a primary read he has the ability to run and his yeah. running is absolutely exceptional it might be somewhat reminiscent of that like three to four game stretch that we got from Jalen Hurts during his rookie season as well my biggest fear is what you alluded to the worst part of the Chicago Bears is their offensive line. Jason Pierce at left tackle is actually playing somewhat well despite his age and despite all the injuries but Jermaine Fetty at right tackle you throw out there, Miles Garrett, have not seen his peak this so far this season. Jadavion Clowney, Malik Jackson, Malik McDowell, a former second-round bust, is looking like one of the best interior defense linemen in the league. This is one of those games and matchups, Hayden, where I say, okay, oftentimes offensive lines and defensive lines, it's not going to impact it overall <laughs> completely, series to series. This is one where it could truly impact it. So while I do believe that we're going to see, you know, Allen Robinson – targeted more often 10 yards down the field. Well, I do believe that we're going to get Darnell Mooney and some manufactured touches so, you know, Matt Nagy can get Justin Fields in the flow of the game and David Montgomery's running insane. I just don't see, unless, like you said, Justin Fields has an unreal first game that, can, that they can cover the seven points for the Cleveland Browns for sure. I'm with you that it would be kind of reminiscent of the Jalen Hurts stuff, but Justin Fields is like – could be a top 10 actual passer in the NFL. And that's just like never the range outcomes for Jalen hurts. So I, I think that like ranking him borderline quarterback 12 is appropriate. So it's like some people, if you're debating fields or Justin Herbert, I would go like Herbert, I would go Stafford over fields, but like that next tier where it's like Baker Mayfield versus Justin fields. Like that's where I think you can kind of flip it. Let's talk about the Browns offense Hayden, because the Browns offense is a well-oiled machine. It's a juggernaut. At times, they get big plays in their running game. They have a quarterback that is, you know, not making mistakes very often. And against a Bears defense, that has kind of honestly been up and down at times this year as well. We know that Jarvis Landry left very early on. Last week, we have seen Odell Beckham miss the first two contests from Jordan Schultz. Is reporting that Odell, barring a setback, is going to play against the Bears. But Hayden, not to be a Debbie Downer here, I'm not sure how much is going to be necessary for Odell. Like it might just be that extra layer on of frosting, like on top of the cake, because this team is still very, very good with their vision and executing it offensively without him. The Browns offensive coordinator said that they quote unquote, definitely have to be smart with his reps. Can't expect him to come out and have a huge day. The first time back, we've got to ease him back into the, into the field. If he does make it to the game. So I think that, he deserves some flex consideration, but he's definitely boom bust. I think that peak Odell later this season is going to be somebody that you're glad that you drafted. Uh, this the matchup is not as scary to me on paper as what it actually is. The Brown or the Bears, I think, have a lot of holes on defense and a new uh, defensive coordinator, and they're kind of working things out on their own end. So I think that you could start Odell if you wanted to. I, I do think the floor is a little lower. I think this can be a massive, massive, massive Nick Chubb game. Yeah, huge Nick Chubb game. We've talked about it over and over and over again. 
runs are typically viewed as like five to seven to nine yard chunks. They are the best in the NFL at explosive runs. And once he gets to the second level and your linebackers and your safeties take bad angles or he just runs over you, he's absolutely gone. We also can say that about Odell. Like it wouldn't shock me at all if he has that one special play as well, yep. where he takes a slant to the house, if he still has that juice. But again, the core of this team is just using like so many other pass catchers, like all three tight ends, you know, their third, their fourth wide receiver as well. Cleveland's just really good. They're, yep. they're really good. All right, real quick, real quick before we move on, I think this is a, an option to get Kareem Hunt into your flex spot. He's the RB28 on RB33 fantasy usage. If Odell is going to see six targets instead of like the eight targets that Jarvis Landry was getting, I think they might throw the ball to Kareem Hunt a little bit more. And if this game gets out of hand, which I, I think both of you are kind of projecting, I think that Kareem Hunt could get in there. This is also a good time to tell people that are viewing this in a VOD form after it's live. Let's start a new tradition. If you leave your comments, your start sits in the comments down below, I'm going to answer them all the way up until Sunday. So do that. I want to help you. I want to treat your fancy team like my fancy team. A lot of people don't care. I care. So leave your start sit questions in the comments and I will answer them. Again, that's after the show, not live because we have way too much to focus on. And especially if you're listening in podcast form as well. Okay, let's go now, Hayden, to the Baltimore Ravens. Eight point favorites on the road against the Detroit Lions, total of 50 in this game. I'll admit it, Hayden, you've heard me say this. I thought the Ravens season was on the brink of destruction. Without Ronnie Stanley, without Rashad Bateman, I certainly did not believe that Lamar Jackson and company could play from behind, especially against the Chiefs, and they did. Um, now they get a matchup that they should thrive in. You know, it's the exact opposite. One of their eight-point favorites, and again, it's an avalanche. Once it starts rolling, it can build on you. And we haven't seen the Lions really do anything to shut down opposing offenses this season. In the fantasy blueprint, I was like starting to write my Lamar Jackson blurb. And then I just ended up coming back to who on the Lions is expected to tackle Lamar Jackson this week. Like, <laughs> and then I, I just pressed the enter button on to Marquise Brown. Like, it's just, he's just going to run like crazy. The Lions are also missing not just their number one corner, but also now their backup corner that was in the starting lineup last week. He's now out too. So we're already talking about a really bad defense that are missing some key players they might try to trade jamie collins like it's, it's a it's a disaster already for the lions on defense so get every single one of these ravens into the lineup and that includes marquise brown and tyson williams and look if we are again are looking at the spread as an indication of game script this is exactly the reason why you drafted deandre swift this is exactly the reason why you drafted jamal williams it's third and fourth quarters, garbage time golf, you know, checking it down in those situations and them getting receptions. It was the same case in week one, and it was far less effective there in week two. Really the only player that you can completely bank on, no matter what the script is, is your guy, TJ Hawkinson. And, and that's about it. Yeah. He's the tight end two in fantasy usage and he's balling out. I think that right now he, for me is the tight end three overall. I think that this is definitely time to get, DeAndre Swift in there. It's been garbage time, but he is the RB9 and RB12 fantasy usage. I think that if you're really getting in the weeds, Quintez Cephas seems like the guy that's going to be the number one receiver for the Lions. He's more of a boom bust player. And I don't think that he's like that much of a difference maker at all, but at least he's the number one um, receiver for the Lions. And that's, that's about it. And oftentimes when we think about a spread, that's eight points, 
it's a focus on especially the running quarterback, but also the running back spot. I mean, Tyson Williams has a locked in role on the team and to me looks easily like the best runner, even though he did fumble and they still, you know, didn't get punished for it. But Hayden, this this stood out to me. Maybe it's a small ish sample, but last season when Lamar Jackson was favored by at least seven points, he threw two plus passing touchdowns in eight of those 10 games. So that leaves us some optimism for Mark Andrews, for Marquise Brown, for any other names that you want to go in there. But again, it's a 10 game sample, not the smallest, uh, not the biggest. I'm going to play host and I'm going to ask you about Mark Andrews right now. He's tight end 16 usage, his 18% target share. That's lower. And I don't know if this is like Marquise Brown feeling more comfortable. If this is just Sammy Watkins, this is a small sample, but the problem I have with Mark Andrews right now is Rashad Bateman's coming like pretty yep. soon. And Rashad Bateman, we were kind of projecting as a true X receiver, something the Ravens haven't had. So I'm starting to get a tad bit concerned with Mark Andrews. Not this week. It's the Lions. He should go off. And the Ravens offense still looks good. But, like, I mean, at some point, the targets end in this in this offense. Yeah. We're still gathering information this year. But as we're saying, in October, we're going to get the wide receiver they took in the first round that they believe would unlock their, their passing game. If this continues this path, I want to look back to, what was it, the 2019 or 2018 season when he was awesome. And 19. see see why. See if the usage, see if they ran more three tight ends at that time, see if they had less wide receivers out there. Like, what was the reason for it, you know? Because yeah. uh, I think Mark Andrews is talented. I think that they don't have that many pass-catching options, and it doesn't really make sense why he is being limited so often each and every week. Okay. Fun one for the total. 52 total, Arizona Cardinals, Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, the Arizona Cardinals are seven-and-a-half-point favorites here on the road. Hayden? A battle of former number one overall picks and that total of 52, John Beeson. It's definitely in play. Why? Kyler Murray against the defense that has been shredded by Tyrod Taylor and Teddy Bridgewater and Trevor Lawrence continuing to throw shots downfield even when trailing in games. So, Hayden, questions galore this week. We answered a lot of them. We have an individual uh, you know, post on Kyler Murray and Rondell Moore. Who are you playing on this Cardinals offense? Because this is probably an everyone in the boat situation. It's tough because everybody on this offense is like right on the border. Like you have to make your decision between AJ Green, Rondale Moore, and Christian Kirk because there's three starting spots in this offense. The 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 Cardinals aren't using that much for wide receiver sets. It's like truly a rotation. AJ Green, 86% routes. Christian Kirk, 68% routes. Rondale Moore, 48% routes. So you're one of these guys is going off. Like it's it's the Jaguars. The Cardinals are projected for the second most points. One of these guys is going off. I think all three of them have about the same odds because I think Rondell Moore is the most explosive, probably the best, but he's playing the least amount of snaps. And I think that Christian Kirk and AJ Green have been playing well enough where they can't be benched themselves. So and then like the same thing for uh, Chase Edmonds and, and James Conner, both fringe guys. So I think all these guys are boom bust flex options. And if you want to start them because of the matchup, like go right ahead. It's tough. And again, we talked about this a lot on Tuesday. Rondell Moore has his role. He's extremely good in his role. He's a unique talent in that he can create on a small amount of touches. And when he's on the field, he's getting targeted because those are like manufactured plays for him in the playbook. I've been on a lot of shows. I consume content. I'm on Twitter. Any suggestion that Rondell Moore is just going to take AJ Green's spot in the lineup in terms of playing outside wide receiver. Are you nuts? Like 
Know where these – I mean, A.J. Green of the last two games played like 98 snaps at right wide receiver. They don't move their players around. You're not going to line up five foot seven wide receiver Rondell Moore and play him on the outside like that. Like, that's why A.J. Green is in the lineup. And I think that's also why A.J. Green is in the lineup for Christian Kirk to have success too. Maybe the, you know, possibility that could happen is – Kirk moves the outside and then Rondell plays more in the slot, but like it's working right now. Why change it? You know, yeah. especially with Kyler and everyone's attached to him. Why, why change anything at this moment? Cause Kyler's just ev- elevating everyone around him. And Hey, we even had a massive chase Edmonds game yet. Maybe this could potentially be it too. Yep. Going back to that, they gave AJ green, like $8 million this, this off season. And they gave it like over three years when like they had like vacated years and the whole thing. So I don't think they're going to be benching AJ green who made somebody miss on one-on-one on the ball to the flats for a touchdown. And I know the yards per target isn't like 14 yards, like the other guys, but like, it's a small sample. He looks fine to me. Um, so I'm with you. I think that uh, Christian Kirk, they don't want to move Christian Kirk outside again. Like we saw Christian Kirk last year. It was just a bunch of prayer yards. He was inefficient. He looked like not an NFL starter. He's a slot receiver. Like that's just like the way it is. Um, and it's hard for four wide receivers to eat. So I think it's going to be very boom bust. You want pieces of this offense, but like to call Rondale more like a must play wide receiver three, I think it's a little premature. I think eventually he can be there, but I think right now it's going to be a rotation at, at the second and third wide receiver spots. And let's be honest about Jacksonville, too. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, when you go back and watch, is being a little slow with letting the football go. And I think that's why a lot of times these receptions are contested or in tight windows at the moment. He's also being extremely reckless, which, again, as just a viewer, as a third party, I'm fine with. Like, I like these quarterbacks throwing down the field in these situations and not caring that they're going to be intercepted. This is not a game that Jacksonville is going to win. I think we might say that each and every week as we go along in the NFL. But Hayden, it feels like right now, if this way of life continues for Jacksonville, Marvin Jones remains a top 36 option. And beyond that, it's a stretch to play anyone, even if it's good usage from James Robinson, even if it's DJ Chark and these air yards, and maybe those hit in this game as well. Marvin Jones is the only player I'm confident in moving forward. Uh Uh-oh make a case for G.J. Shark, who's number yards and wide receiver 27 usage in general. But to me, Jones looks like the better player. And wide receiver three, air yards, wide receiver six usage. And I don't have that much faith in the Cardinals secondary right now either. It's still just a bunch of like fringe NFL starters in the back end. I think that you're going to get a bunch of last-minute air yards from Marvin Jones. And I think that he's definitely a wide receiver three with upside right now. Now, if you want to take like a completely contrasting play, Deontay Lee, who works over at PFF, did a great job on the run fits of the Arizona Cardinals defense and how bad they were. So, again, if you want to go completely contrarian, maybe, just maybe, James Robinson is an interesting play. And we will only bring up this clip if someone who wins a million dollars played James Robinson in week three. Okay, let's jump to one of the most exciting games of the weekend, Hayden. The Los Angeles Chargers, the Kansas City Chiefs, Big boy total of 55. Chiefs, as expected, at home, six and a half point favorites. We get Brandon Staley versus this Kansas City Chiefs offense twice a year from here on out. And we know that Brandon Staley loves to play too high, that that whole defense is there to prevent big plays against an offense that is known for creating big plays. And Hayden, we talk about it every week. How is a team going to slow down Tyreek Hill? 
how is the team going to slow down Travis Kelsey? Maybe the Chargers, if they want to deploy him in this way, have the only player that can match up with Travis Kelsey one-on-one and Derwin James. So then we still have the Tyree Kill conversation. And dare I throw in, dare I throw in that the charge, excuse me, that the the Chargers are giving up 162 rushing yards per game right now. And we're going to learn a lot, a lot about what Andy Reid and company think of their running back and CEH and their run blocking as well. So let's start from the top real quick. Just historically, the Chargers have played Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey better than anybody in the NFL. Not even close. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has over 260 yards against the, the Chargers in one in five games. And Travis Kelsey has been held under 11 half PPR points in seven of nine games against the Chargers. Derwin James has done a really good job against Travis Kelsey. I don't care about either of those stats. Like this is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. They're still in the conversation for number one overall at their respective positions. I do think, like you mentioned, though, this is setting up on paper for a huge Tyreek Hill game. He's averaging uh, 87 yards over his last like game since like 2020. And I think that the the Chargers corners and their free safety, that's their issue on defense in the secondary. But I'm totally with you. The Chargers defense right now, they go light boxes. They had one offseason where they needed to try to get some defensive tackles and linebacker play. And Kenneth Murray was a little banged up. I'm with you. The Chargers run defense, we should project them to be one of the worst in the NFL. Like, I know they have Joey Bosa and some other guys, but after just talking all that crap with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I think this is like the the buy low, play him in DFS, get him back out there. I'm still going to be ranking him inside the top 20 because Mm. the points, the playing snaps, and the Chargers run defense kind of setting up for like, we just saw the worst of it. Now we're at least going to get some Clyde Edwards Hilaire love. It's all pointing in that direction. But if you go back with your eyes and watch, it makes you so cautious because he looks slow. He's not someone who's going to break tackles. They're not really getting him on these outside runs or in space with receptions. I'm not saying they're setting him up to fail, but he's also not doing anything to like force their hand into like putting him in advantageous positions either. Like this is this is kind of make or break in some ways, at least for me, for like how I view him yes. this season. Yes, there was a note out there uh, from Jim Moyer who was talking about the Chiefs when they're running outside zone, and Clyde edwards helaire has been really bad at that, which makes sense. Like If you think about like, the Shanahan offenses, like Raheem Mostert's the blueprint where you want all that speed so they can rip off and beat people to the edge. Clyde edwards helaire that's never been his thing. He was right. good out in space as like a in-the-phone-booth-make-you-miss, and he's good with relative power. And the Chiefs were trying to use a little outside zone last week, and he looked really bad at it. So I'm thinking... Maybe the Chiefs just say, all right, we got all these bullies on our offensive line. That was our offseason priority. And the Chargers can't do that. And we're actually going to see Clyde Edwards play around the middle. But if it doesn't happen here, like full, full time to panic. Like all the, the button is being pressed. It's like 100% panic time if he doesn't do it here. And look, maybe he gets 60 yards. Maybe like Darrell Williams gets 60 yards. It's also to the point where we can't just put all of our baskets in, oh, it's CEH's backfield. And yeah, and despite the lack of talent around him. Okay. I also want to bring up. Justin Herbert and this Chargers offense against the the Chiefs defense, a Chiefs defense that's even worse against the run. I mean, they're giving up 202 rushing yards per game, which is a bit inflated when you face, you know, Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens uh, last week. I, I actually want to bring up Justin Herbert here, a player that we have glowing reviews of, and it's because of his third downs. I mean, he is so successful in that area so far this season. But Hayden, when you zoom in a little bit, he's also, I'm not saying costing them games, but putting them, 
in spots where he shouldn't, if he's going to be like among this elite tier of quarterbacks. I mean, last week he threw a crucial pick at the end of the third quarter, tied 14-14 in like a box of four defenders. Keenan Allen fell down. It was going to be intercepted no matter what. Shouldn't force that pass. Also in the red zone or near it in week one, threw another interception. Yes, they had two touchdowns called back. Yes, it's the Los Angeles Chargers, so we expect that from them last week. This is a this is a big boy moment again for, for Justin Herbert because he's going to, at points, as we have seen other times this season, have to match throw for throw Patrick Mahomes, and he's one of the few names we expect to do that in the NFL. This is why I love Justin Herbert. Already just this conversation, just like think about and take a step back. This is his second season. He's yeah. really young, and we're expecting him in a new offense that he's never played like. This is like a brand new offense, nothing like the last one. And the Chargers are top five in pace and neutral pass rate. And then like, we're like, oh, the couple of those throws, man, like he can't be doing that. Like that's how you know Justin Herbert is in this like elite, elite quarterback tier. So I think that in catch-up mode, I think he'll be totally fine. I think there's a lot of mismatches here with the Chiefs defense that looks really bad. It's, it's an unathletic defense. Their mm-hmm. linebackers and their safety play right now is really bad. And they're rotating at corner too. And they basically have one good defensive lineman right now. So I think that this is going to be a back-and-forth game. And I, I think that Justin Herbert – I know he's thrown some bad picks and stuff, but I think it's going to be like Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, one after another. And this is going to be like 38 35. Yeah. It's the trio versus the trio on both sides in terms of, yeah. of skill players. I kind of like the Chargers trio quite a bit, quite a bit in this game. Uh, some will even uh, say, some will even say that Austin Eckler is going to be my Benji of the week. And the reason why I, I need I to this. bring this up is. I spent time breaking down Chiefs linebacker film, and it's on my Twitter. It's the only way I can get some likes on this freaking tweet when you're breaking down Chiefs linebackers is if you throw Benji's on the week. So if you want my take on Austin Eckler, just go watch the Chiefs linebackers. They're slow. They're not running the right direction, and I think that you're going to get a bunch of yards from Austin Eckler on one-on-one, and I think that even Austin Eckler could run between the tackles this week because the Chiefs are just getting absolutely obliterated by everyone, not even just like this year, like last year too. And they're their best linebackers on IR right now. Everyone here, thank you for tuning in. A lot of people saying they're catching us live for the first time. UFQD, appreciate all of you being here. Matt, um, like and subscribe. We're here to help you win. We're here to have a little bit more fun on Thursdays, on Sundays, on Tuesdays. We have great clips throughout week and obviously those three live shows as well you can take us on the road with you just search the underdog football show and i quickly want to bring up rumor has it someone on the show hit a 5x pick them slip last week turn 10 bucks into 200 you can do the exact same thing just on any deposit skip the guacamole at whatever chipotle mo's Cadoba of your choice Instead, deposit that into Underdog. Use promo code the show, and you get a free ten dollars. What's up, Hayden? Somebody gave us like a three star review on podcast because you say no skip the guacamole. So, because of that person, we need all of you guys to go leave a podcast review five stars and tell us why you love to skip the guacamole. I was that pissed me off so much. Yeah, watch out, big guac. It's like people ruining our lives, Hayden. Just for having a couple jokes here Come on. on the show. Imagine that. All right, let's keep it rolling. New Orleans Saints, New England Patriots, total of 42. Patriots at home, two and a half point favorites. Um, Let's start with the Saints first. What we learned last week 
against the Carolina Panthers that Jameis is still Jameis Winston. That in order for New Orleans, at least in my opinion, maybe you disagree, Hayden, in order for them, for, for them to win, they need to protect Jameis. They need to prevent him from making the same mistakes that he still has in his own DNA under chaos and trust him against defenses when he has time because he still has that big arm. And for Sean Payton to, you know, create some open wide receivers down the field. Last week, the offensive line was confused. Three straight of the same blitzes by the Carolina Panthers. You go from Phil Snow and fast athletes to now Bill Belichick, Steve Belichick, and a bunch of bullies along defense. So it, it really does come down to, to me, the offensive line success of the Saints. That There are a lot of great pieces, but some of those pieces have been having been having to adjust already through the first few games of the season and might get confused again this week. It's not a coincidence that center Eric McCoy is not practicing and not playing. And then all of a sudden the saints offense looks out of sorts. And I'm with you. It was, it was communication. It wasn't just like Jameis Winston being an idiot in the pocket. There was a couple of plays like that. It was a miscommunication. And I don't think going to new England, this is the time to go try to fix some of these these concerns. And even when Jameis Winston was having time in the pocket, which was not very often last week, nobody's getting open. And like you can only get Alvin Kamara so many touches and schemed up touches one-on-one. Like Marquez Calvary's got to like go make a play. Like Juwan Johnson, go make a play. Troutman, can you make a play? How about Deontay Harris? Like you have to make a play at some point. And I don't like their odds in New England of doing that. So I, I think right now it's just Alvin Kamara as an RB1 and you can't play anybody else. We've talked about this quite a bit, that there is no target sponge in this offense. Marcus Callaway was drafted as he was because people perceived that he was going to be, and it's not. Uh, honestly, Hayden, if there was any other name other than Alvin Kamara, I would start this team. It truly might be Jawan Johnson, like for red zone touchdowns. And that's where we're already at, I think, with the Saints, the Saints already. But then we go over to the New England Patriots side, because I don't even know if there's anything more to talk about with New Orleans. We know who the Patriots are as well. I mean, how do you prevent the Patriots from being the mini Browns already? You have to stop the run. You have to force Mac Jones to throw the ball short, which he's liking right now. You have to force three and outs and you have to score points on your offense and hope for turnovers like they had in week one with Damian Harris or maybe an interception from Mac Jones. I guess that's the formula to beat the Patriots. And that sounds simple, Hayden, but it's really freaking tough to do because they are constructed to win that way right now. Mac Jones is like refusing to make a bad play, like a basic bad play. But by doing that, he's just limiting the offense because he's just like everything's just the check down option. It's like a high low. It's just like the check down. And he's not taking that many sacks. He's not throwing any, inter- any interceptions. But if this offense has a chance to like be like a contender in the AFC, like he needs to throw the ball. And I think that yeah. he needs to start doing that as soon as possible. The Saints defense is banged up right now. I think they're going to get a couple guys back. But I think this is a good opportunity for Damian Harris to get going. I think he's locked in as the RB2, but eventually it's got to be Nelson Aguilar week. It's got to be something downfield, like Jacoby Myers on a deep crossing route, not a drag. Like I, I'm waiting for Mac Jones to turn the corner. Right now he looks like the best rookie quarterback, but it's not been that impressive to me just because everything is just the check down option. And I want to see a little something more. Um, he's got to at least press it eventually so we can see what throws he can get away with. But in some ways, like building the habitat and the environment that they have right now, they really should be one Damien Harris fumble away from being 2-0 right. yeah. with Mac Jones still doing all this, you know? And yeah. maybe it grows 
through throughout the season, but I'm with you. Like in order for this team to take the next step and make the playoffs, he's going to have have to make some of those throws. And Jacoby Myers is good enough to do it. Nelson Aguilar is good enough to do it. Johnu Smith is good enough to do it. And I think if we dive in a bit deeper and not just what the Excel spreadsheets tell us, Damian Harris could have had a massive week last week if they just wanted to use him. There's going to be a game where he gets 23 touches, 100 yeah. yards, and two touchdowns. That is incoming at any point. And Hayden, I think the Patriots cover this two and a half because I think they do enough defensively. I think they do enough offensively. And it might be one of those games that we get, you know, 18 to 19 carries once again for Damian Harris. With the Saints injuries right now, I think that there's really not that many spots where they're better than the Patriots. I got any position right now. Um, So I'm with you. I want the Patriots. Atlanta, Falcons, New York, Giants, 47 and a half. Three-point favorites the Giants are. I tried to make this game exciting from my introduction, and it's difficult because, Hayden, I think we can agree on one thing. The Falcons' offense has been brutal to watch for two weeks, an offense that we were excited about because of Matt Ryan, because of Kyle Pitts, because of Calvin Ridley, because of Mike Davis, because of Cordero Patterson, and a massive part of that disappointment is Matt Ryan's arm. Five yards Average depth of target right now in the NFL. That is 31st. Major difference compared to last season. 9.3, which was sixth in the NFL. You see it when you watch him too, Hayden. It just looks weak. He's not throwing that 17-yard comeback along the sideline. What gives? I don't know. I I don't know what, if it's just Matt Ryan just falling off. Because there was that one play where he's tried to step up in the pocket. Nobody was around him. It would have been a cover two shot, like the same one that Justin Herbert made. And Matt Ryan threw it to like the moon and it just hung up there like a duck and Calvary really got hit. And there was another couple plays where it just looked like there was a little bit of zip that's missing from Matt Ryan. So um, I think that four verts on Twitter, he, he put it the best way. He said that Matt, Chuck. yeah, Matt, Matt Ryan has a pulled pork arm right now, <laughs> which like I agree with, um, so that's like the state of the Falcons. Now, how much does that matter for fantasy? Like we weren't really banking on Matt Ryan for fantasy. Calvin Ridley, I still think with the 54% air yard share, no Russell Gage, he's still a wide receiver one for me. It's, I don't think it's going to look as pretty as we wanted it to. And I think that Kyle Pitts, like all the numbers are still top six, top seven in the production. So I think that those two are starters, even if uh, the pulled pork arm is not going to like unleash the total ceiling. One, Kyle Pitts, stay in your freaking feet when you catch the ball. It happened in the preseason. It happened in week two. Like, stay in your feet, buddy. Uh, two, I I am nervous. I mean, I'm legit nervous. And I'm also nervous about, like, Arthur Smith and what to expect from him moving forward as well. Hayden and I have talked about this a lot privately and, and publicly. We still expect Mike Davis to, you know, be the traditional running back here. But there is also the question of what if Arthur Smith just knows his offensive line can't bully anyone? And so he wants to have, you know, Cordero Patterson out there in certain situations where he can use speed and use skills. I do want to flip it here, Hayden, because we talk a lot about good offensive lines versus bad defensive line or good defensive lines. This is like a case of one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL in the Giants and one of the worst defensive lines in the the NFL in the Atlanta Falcons. And if that's the case, I think Daniel Jones is going to get time. I think that the Giants offensive line is going to create some space for Saquon Barkley to move. And I think Sterling Shepard hits that 100 mark and we get a Benji out of him this week as well. 
I like the call. AJ Terrell, the Falcons, I mean, maybe their best or second best uh, defensive player, for sure, one of the first or second best defense player. He's in the concussion protocol, and they, like he wasn't even making that much of a difference just because like the rest of the group looks really bad. Um, and it's a new defensive coordinator, and they just like don't have the pieces. And I tried to make a bid on Daniel Jones, and I missed it by like a couple dollars, and I was legitimately mad about that. Like I think that Daniel Jones with the Giants projected for the 14th most points this week at home against the Falcons is like a legitimate upside quarterback too. Um, he's actually 13th in EPA for dropback. And obviously the Falcons defense looks really bad. So I think the Sterling Shepard is a great call wide receiver, nine in fantasy usage. I think you can get Kenny Galladay um, who's dead last in fantasy points over expected in a bounce back week. I think this is a week like rarely we'll say this, start your giants guys. Um, I just think that's like the state of the Falcons right now. And don't get me wrong, Grady Jarrett's still my guy. Grady Jarrett's still one of the best interdefensive linemen in the NFL, but he can't he can't carry them, you know? He just can't do it. And I don't even know if we're going to get, like, that same rushing production that we got from Daniel Jones last week because that's kind of, like, tough to figure out on the sideline during games. But I think he can do it throwing the ball in this game. Famous last words when you're attached to Jason Garrett and company. But, uh, yeah. I think when bad meets bad – the offense is the at the advantage. Does that make sense to you? Yes, for sure. Yeah. Okay. The Falcons are not in the, in the advantage at any point at right any now. Point. <laughs> at any point. And watch them just have like a magical like 33-point outing because we're all saying that. Uh, all right. Let's jump now to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hayden, when you think about the skill position players that these two teams have, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, Najee Harris, and you see a freaking total of 43 and a half in this game. To me, that perfectly outlines the state of where Joe Burrow is and where Ben Roethlisberger is. And the Steelers' like loaded defense is really banged up. Like We don't know if Joe Hayden or if uh, Watt's going to play. Like, yep. All these guys are banged up right now. So like this is just bad quarterback play also paired with bad – offensive line play. Let's start with the Bengals first. The one thing that is frustrating with the Bengals right now is like last year, everything is shallow. And Joe Burrows talked about this in his press conferences this week. But one of the reasons why everything's shallow right now is they're going into empty a ton. And that just means it's just five offensive linemen, nobody in pass protection other than that. And the problem right now with Joe Burrow is he's immobile. Like he's every single time there's pressure, he's falling to the ground and getting sacked. And at LSU, and then before his ACL injury, Last year, he at least had a little mobility to get out to the pocket to hit something o- over the middle of the field. That's not happening right now. So that's where I think the problem with the Bengals is, is they can't throw the ball downfield. They're running really slow pace down at 22nd overall, and they're third uh, lowest in neutral pass rate. So there's a lot of s- schematic issues with Cincinnati that I do not expect like a September turnaround, like maybe in November. But right now, it's like you got to readjust. To outline this from our friend Joe Goodberry, one of the greatest Bengals fans of all time, if not the greatest. Yeah, Joe Burrow, 41% of his pressures have turned into sacks this season. That's easily the highest rate in the NFL. Last year, it was 27% for Burrow, and the league average was 21%. And then Joe goes after his head coach in Zach Taylor. I want to pull up a second tweet here for you, Hayden, because it's important. Zach Taylor says, well, the reason why we want to run our offense is we want to run Joe Mixon well force the defender into the box, and that's when we throw vertically. What are you talking about, Zach Taylor? Why did you go and draft Jamar Chase in the top five in order to do this and be 
and and not use him vertically from the jump from the start. And Hayden, when we go back and watch those games, what they have turned Joe Burrow into, and I think part of this is because the lack of trust in his injury, he's a catch it and throw it guy. Yes. That's exactly what he is right now. There is no ability either for him to move off his primary read and extend plays. And it seems like he was coached to not do that. And so that primary read is the only one he's going to based on pre-snap coverages. So what does that do? It eliminates the possibility of like the third option, the fourth option, sometimes the second option as well. That sucks when you have three quality wide receivers out there and possibly Joe Mixon. When you watch him, and I think, again, part of this is because you don't trust the offensive line to protect. It's catch, throw, if it's accurate, if it has good touch, what Joe Burrow has, you know, in his pocket, that's probably his strength, then the offense can move. But after that, Hayden, it's miserable. We've turned this yeah. offense already miserable into two weeks. Yep. There was even a screenplay, a uh, wide receiver screen, and both wide receivers decided to try to block each other. And then Joe Burrow sat there, and the offensive line literally all moved out to the flat like they were blocking. And Joe Burrow just had to take a sack. Like everything's out of rhythm on top of just like the basic problems with Joe Burrow and like his lack of arm strength right now. So like it's I think it's time to readjust right now just real quick. Fantasy usage, T Higgins wide receiver 24, that's all right, he looks like an alpha. Jamar Chase wide receiver 60, he's been saved by 50 and 42 yard touchdowns. Outside of that though, not the targets you're looking for and then Tyler Boyd wide receiver 64, he has 32 air yards. So the 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 passing offense is just kind of broken right now. Um and you got to readjust. But we, we say that about the Bengals. And guess what, Hayden? We didn't say the exact same damn thing about the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, who, yeah. not because of a lack of trust, I think, in the offensive line, it's just Ben's arm that is limiting them. Because based on his arm, everything has to be a pre-snap read because if he's throwing the ball down the field, it's a rainbow shot. It's, yeah. it's a moon ball. Nothing has zip. Nothing has velocity, and that's limiting our ceiling with Chase Claypool, but maybe Claypool can really get it going without Deontay Johnson. The perfect example is third and 10 late in the game. The Steelers were down last week, and uh, Chase Claypool runs a nice route against like a, a, a safety that was dropping down into the box, and it's an in-breaking route. Big Ben's got to throw this fast on a dart, and he does it. He throws a nice lofty pass and gets Chase Claypool killed. And like that was like the one play. It's literally the fourth quarter. You have to throw this thing in there, and he was literally unable to do it. But like you said, Deontay Johnson's probably out. We've gotten no news with Deontay Johnson. Like it's just like knee injury. It's there. It's kind of hurt. He's not practicing, but we haven't said anything else other than that. If this is a multi-week injury, I think Chase Claypool has a chance to like really dominate because I don't think that Juju's role is going to change all that much. He's going to be the underneath guy. I think if you remove the thirty percent targets from Deontay Johnson, like Chase Claypool has a chance to like ascend despite like the bad environment. And I think Matt Canada, I think the Steelers offense understands that a little bit because what we see last year when they were struggling, manufacture touches to chase Claypool, like end around yes. getting him going. They showed that last week a little bit more than they have in, in week one. So we, we love, we love that type of stuff. I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks the best unit on this team and in this game is the Steelers defense. If they're healthy, like Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, TJ yep. Watt, Alex Highsmith, Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick. If a number of those pieces play, I expect them to cover this three points. But if they if they miss, then I mean this could be again, it's crazy that it's a 43 and a half total, considering all of these pieces that both have. 
on their yeah. rosters. And but yeah. we're we're in, on the same page. I mean, it's the quarterbacks; they're limiting them. And some of it's coaching, some of it's their arm, some of it's coming back from an injury, some of it's offensive line. But it all adds up to an equation that is uh, a snooze fest. I yeah. get so I got so frustrated. I was slacking you last week. Got so frustrated watching both of these offenses. Okay, yeah. Indianapolis Colts, Tennessee Titans. Titans at home, five and a half point favorites. Total of forty eight. Quarterback news here: Hayden Winks. Carson Wentz, through two weeks, has done his best superhero impersonation, tries to play hero ball each and every snap, and that has landed him injured already. In the preseason, it was Jacob Eason working in. It was Sam Ellinger working in. Apparently, the buzz is that if Carson Wentz can't go, and I don't think he practiced today either, Brett Hundley from the practice squad immediately jumps in and becomes a starter for the Colts. Brett Hundley, also known as UCLA's best quarterback in the last 20 years. Like, ridiculous. Yeah, it's not going to be a good situation for for the Colts. Braden Smith, the right tackle, is not playing. Eric Fisher played last week off of a torn Achilles. That was eight months removed, and he's into his 30s. He did not look right. Um, they're giving him veterans days off right now. The offensive line, supposed to be a strength, looks really bad. And I don't, I don't expect Easton or Hundley to be saving that at all. So for right now, like you know what you're getting from uh, – Naeem Hines a negative game script. You know what you're getting with Jonathan Taylor no matter what. And Michael Pittman looked good last week, but against zone coverage. Um, so, yeah, I think outside of that, it's just like it doesn't matter. The the Colts right, offense right now with these backups is just not going to be pretty. Yeah. Uh, we need a Jonathan Taylor be successful on, you know, one of his carries inside the five-yard line at the goal line. But those opportunities are going to be so much more difficult to get if it's Brett Hundley starting and – even compared to Carson Wentz, so uh, I, I think what Wentz did last week. Who they was it the who they faced last week? Can you remember the the Rams? The Rams and the Rams play that cover two shell basically, where yep. they play off and allow you. And so Carson Wentz was able to hit a bunch of those uh, underneath. I mean, because basically Michael Pittman was sitting in those soft areas, and then he was getting all the ball, day, and that was it all day. Yep. Um, I will say that to happen. Go ahead. Well, the Titans defense, like, let's not forget, like, I know the Colts offense is bad. The Titans defense looks really, really bad, like really bad at all three levels. And Michael Pittman last year was much better against man coverage than zone coverage. And I think that he has a good chance to kind of repeat here. I think that he's going to end up being an okay wide receiver three flex. Maybe not this week because the quarterback play is going to be that bad. But I think that the volume is going to be there even with Paris Campbell coming back. Like, that doesn't really change things for Michael Pittman. Let's talk about the Tennessee offense because we got a Julio Jones game. We got a Derrick Henry game. It's a matter of time before we get an A.J. Brown game. But Hayden, I don't know if we're going to move off the Derrick Henry spot here because uh, it lines up super well. I mean, Derrick Henry, according to PFF, has 201 rushing yards after contact that's this season. That's more than any other running back has in total on the ground. And the Colts, 12 missed tackles against the run, are tied for the fourth most in the NFL. It was great to see them work back in negative game script. We could get a vintage, yes, vintage Titans positive game script game here. Yep. Darius Leonard, the Colts linebacker, is playing through an, an ankle injury that he's like already admitting that it's bad and like he's going to be playing through this. And we should not expect him to be like that all pro level linebacker. And obviously, that just plays into Derrick Henry, who already shreds the Colts defense in the last three games. 178 yards, 103 yards, 148 yards against the Colts with four combined touchdowns. So it's going to be a big dog week. I will not rule out Julio Jones or A.J. Brown having a big week, 
um, either. Uh, AJ Brown's dropped some passes. His yep. target share is a little bit lower. Uh, Julio Jones only has a 19% target share. All this stuff's kind of bad. They're playing a little bit slower in pace, but it's Julio Jones and AJ Brown. So you can only panic um, so much. They're just like total alphas. I think AJ Brown's just running a little cold right now. And it, it's some of those drops that you mentioned. It's like a deep shot that was just outside of his fingertips. Like these things are going to hit. These things yep. are going to hit as we're moving forward. It's not one of these situations that you look at and you're like, oh, something's wrong. It's not working out. I, it's just like some of those moments where it's just it's just off. It's just off. I've got one one last note for the Titans. Sorry. Um, we talked about their, their neutral pass or neutral play action rate that everybody was panicking. It's about the same. Like the, the Titans are still a play action offense. And that's what we saw last week, even in some negative game scripts. The problem right now for me is the neutral pace. They were third last year. They're 26th right now. And Arthur Smith, you see with the Falcons, the Falcons are playing with pace. So that's like the one thing. It's not the it's not the the play action stuff. It's just like the overall play volume. The the Titans were top five in pace. And I I hope that they kind of bounce back from that. We still have the four o'clock and primetime games to go. 50 minutes in. Hayden, it's flying by. Everyone out there, thanks for being here. Like and subscribe. Be sure to consume all of our content. You can take us on the road with you. Just search for the Underdog Football Show. Get after Big Guac. Tell them what they you really think of them. Skip it. Deposit on Underdog instead. Use promo code the show. Get a free $10 out of our pocket. Go pick five on pick them. And don't forget about rivals either. Rivals is a lot of fun. And uh turn that 10 bucks into 200 Again, rumors. Someone on the show did that last week. All right. Let's move on to the New York Jets, the Denver Broncos. I believe the lowest total of the weekend, 41 and a half, with, yes, your Denver Broncos as 10 and a half point favorites. Seems like Zach Wilson is just getting into trouble when he's attempting to throw down the field, Hayden, which is kind of surprising. Not that a rookie is struggling, but when you consider the offensive play caller coming from the Shanahan and family tree of the floor, we expected, you know, open receivers over the middle of the field, crossing routes, gimme passes. We're not getting that from the Jets right now. It doesn't help that Makai Becton is out, and it doesn't help that, you know, your quarterback is not used to working under duress. And now he gets Von Miller. Now he gets Vic Fangio. Now he gets the Broncos defense. Not going to go well for him in this contest. He never faced pressure in the Mac West, and now he gets Vic Fangio, like, on the road in Denver. Like, it's just – he has no chance. Uh, is there anybody on the Jets you would think about starting? Maybe Corey Davis. Maybe Corey Davis. In the flex. But um, it's still not looking pretty for, for Corey Davis in this environment either. I do think – I want to make a prediction. I think that Michael Carter receives more carries than he's ever had this week. I think it's like very that. obvious already that he's going to be the starter. I just don't think it will matter for fantasy. The Jets are projected for 15 points. It's, it's week three, and they're already projected for 15 points. Yeah. Let, let's find out what you want to do with Elijah Moore each and every week, you know, because we're through two weeks, and it's kind of different usage in each game as well. Uh, on the Broncos' end, Teddy's throwing downfield. Teddy's balling. He's buying himself some time. And this Broncos team's a lot of fun to watch right now. Yeah. I mean, Cortland Sutton getting down the field. KJ Hamler possibilities on vertical routes. Noah Fant looking like an athlete with the ball in his hands. And then you have a bruising tailback and Javante Williams, who's already among the league leaders in broken tackles per carry. And then Melvin Gordon still has that juice to make a big play as well. Where are we at with the Broncos offense here? 
Well, Teddy Bridgewater's third in EPA per dropback in the quarterback two in completion percentage over expected. Like we all expected. Right. And he's playing well. And I think one of the reasons why is the Broncos are second in neutral play action rate. And that's just like Teddy Bridgewater just sitting there and just firing it. And he has the skill guys to make it work. And I think unlike last year, where there's more pressure on Teddy to make a play because the Panthers defense was really young and inexperienced and they were quite frankly bad. This Broncos defense is going to be good. And there's a lot of experience at all three levels too. Um, and it's very well coached on both sides of the ball. So I think the Broncos are semi-legit. Cortland Sutton, 35% targets last week. He's leading the NFL in air yards. You're definitely starting him against the Jets. Noah Fant, the tight end five on tight end four fantasy usage. The Jets are the league's worst team against the position. And I think if you want to get really frisky in like a 14-team league, Tim Patrick or KJ Hamler are somewhere in the mix too just because um, I, the, the the matchup is just like couldn't be easier. I, th- I think that's a great point. And, I mean, Carolina's offensive line wasn't great last year. Their defense was nowhere close to what it is this season. And Teddy struggled last year inside the red zone, and he struggled in, like, game-winning scenarios. We see a lot of times in, like, close one-score games that evening out for teams as you go along to the next year. Maybe it's evening out for the quarterback for as sure. well. Yeah. Um, man, Broncos are fun. I'm, I'm glad. I, I love to see Teddy thrive, even though I didn't expect this heading into the year. Uh Let's jump on over to the Miami Dolphins and the Las Vegas Raiders, a total of 45 with the Vegas Raiders four-point favorites. Hayden, in 2021, it's flat-out embarrassing to get shut out in a football game. Miami did it last week after I think it was a first-quarter exit for Tua Tungavailoa. Jacoby Brissett came in, made a lot of mistakes. I'll say it easily. The Vegas Raiders, I don't know where the public's going on this. I think they cover that four points. I agree. Is there anybody you're starting in fantasy for on the Dolphins right now? Like, no. is, if, if Will Fuller's back in, Damn. maybe him. But, like, I mean, they're going to be splitting snaps between Waddle and Parker, and okay. the offensive line's so bad. The Dolphins' offense looks like a complete disaster. Yes. No one can block. The offensive line is absolutely atrocious. Teams were flying to Tua's primary read. He was short-arming throws to the second option. He was panicking. He was double-clutching. And then now Jacoby Brissett comes in, who isn't a quick player. He's someone who's a bit, like, elongated, who's a bit lethargic at times, who doesn't see a safety baiting him into, like, a a throw in a pocket, and then they come up and intercept it. And then now you bring that element along behind possibly the worst offensive line in the NFL with Yank Ngakwe, who's playing well, Max Crosby, who's playing unbelievably well. Vegas on defense is outperforming their previous years. And then Hayden, we're going to talk about their offense in just a moment because that's uh, that's shifting in a much positive way as well. I don't want to overreact, but I think it's totally fair to say that the Raiders are very well coached. Like maybe the top down structure of like what, where they're drafting players and stuff is a total mess. But I think like on offense, John Gruden's dialing up a sick game plan. And on defense, Gus Bradley at least has this defense functional and right now like the dual offensive coordinator structure for the Dolphins with this offensive line it just looks really bad and like you said Jacoby Brissett is not like RPO out of shotgun quick read fire it in there like what they were trying to do with Tua like that's just not his game at all so I think the Dolphins is going to be it's going to be struggle city for them for a little bit let's talk about Derek Carr and this Raiders offense Um, Derek Carr has always been a highly efficient 
deep ball thrower, one of the best in the NFL. But Hayden, for some reason, he woke up on the right side of the bed this year, and he's just doing it more often. I mean, in 2018, he was 33rd in the NFL in attempts 20-plus yards down the field at just 9%. Then again, 2019 at 9%. Last year, 11% of his throws, which was 21st. He's up to 13% now, which is middle of the road. He's 16th. But that's such a major difference between never throwing it down the field and now being willing to. And defenses are still adjusting. And you have a great player, and Henry Ruggs can do it. You have Darren Waller, who's a tight end, who's a freak, who can do that better than a lot of other players at the position. You have always loved Vanilla Saucer and Derek Carr. <laughs> but damn, this batch tastes good this year, Hayden. And Derek Carr is flat out balling. It's chocolate dip soft serve. Like this is just like that good stuff, right? From uh, Dairy Queen around the West Coast. Uh, the the one thing with Derek Carr is like he's not just like throwing the ball downfield. The Raiders are second in neutral pass rate, second. And Josh Jacobs right now, it sounds like he has a turf toe injury. He's still not really practicing. I wouldn't be surprised if he's out here again. So I think you're going to see the uh, faster pace, the downfield throwing Raiders kind of come out here to play. And I'm really excited for this matchup on this side of the ball because. This is a man coverage defense on on the Dolphins. And last year, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards were not beating man coverage at all. And I don't think that the Dolphins really have a one-for-one person to guard um, Darren Waller. Um, So I'm kind of intrigued to see, is Henry Ruggs like taking that next step where he could not beat man coverage? They weren't even trying to throw in the ball. Like, this is your chance right here. You've been the number one receiver for the Raiders and that you have the environment to have fantasy success. Now the next step is like, could you beat isolated one-on-one man coverage and the, the Dolphins corners like were really awesome against Steph Diggs last week. There's awful weather outside. So if my internet connection pops out, I'll hop I got you uh, quick, quickly on the Raiders. Um, we talked about last week with the Dolphins defense, while they're considered great, they really put, you know, quarterbacks brains in a blender who aren't good. And, you know, if they go against a top 10 offense in the NFL, at least last season, they gave up 31, 31, 17, 33, and 56 points. I guess we're at the point where we have to decide, are the Raiders, is the Raiders offense a top 10 unit? And so far, Derek Carr is playing of that capability. They have the weapons to do that. And I found it very fascinating that last week, even though they gave him a ton of money, they just didn't instill feature back workload into Kenyon Drake. You know, they gave Peyton Barber some. They gave, obviously, Kenyon Drake his touches as well. But as a collective unit, as a collective unit, this offense is on a roll. And it should it's, continue this week. It should continue yeah. this week. It's it's going to be pass heavy. I'm, I'm very excited to see what, what Derek Carr could do. Like, this seems like you're not fooling Derek Carr and John Gruden. Like, that, that Dol- the Dolphins amoeba front, and they're bringing a bunch of pressure from everywhere. Like, Derek Carr has been in the league for a while. And, like, John right. Gruden's been in the league forever. Like, I don't think that this is going to be the week where, like, they're fooling the Raiders. It's just like, could Henry Ruggs win in isolation? And can I just say, you know, Raiders fans for years have been clamoring that Derek Carr is great. I would say the negatives, the pessimism about some of the parts of his game previously were fair. In that, I just laid it out. He was not throwing down the field. That when something wasn't open, you've seen it on fourth down plays that he would throw it out of bounds or throw it at Josh Jacobs' feet. But now we just, again, have something different emerging this year. And I want to know why, but... uh. I'm just enjoying it. I'm enjoying watching it. All right. Let's jump to one of the games of the weekend. There's many. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are one and a half point favorites on the road against the Los Angeles Rams total of 55 and a half. Hayden, I think we know more 
about Tampa Bay and how they're constructed and who they are, because dating back to last year and the streak that they went on, the Rams, this is their first big test of the season. And when you compare it, you have a lot of pass catchers on the Bucks offense that have been involved and heavily involved and have had big weeks. And Antonio Brown in week one, Mike Evans in week two, and Chris Godwin is getting his. And that's because Tom Brady has just abandoned the run at times and has attempted 86 passes. Meanwhile, for the Rams, Matthew Stafford has only f- attempted 56 passes through two games. So we have a full video just on Cooper Cup and while he's emerging and why Robert Woods is not. And I think a big part of it is the difference in just overall pass attempts. This is a game we expect a lot more, and this is the real Rams' first test of the season. Both teams are top three in neutral offensive pace, and the Rams have not been passing the ball that much on offense through two weeks just because they're out with big leads immediately. And like the other teams are just like not in the game. And if you look at the Rams this week, I am not expecting that to be uh, the, the case. I think they're going to see a ton of passes this year against the Bucks. Teams are 83% neutral pass heavy. They are not even trying to run the ball against Vita Vea. And I don't think that the Rams offensive line is equipped, especially if Daryl Henderson is going to be out or limited to run the ball at all. So I think you're going to see Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady drop back 40 times here. And it's just going to be a bunch of passes downfield passes. And I think this can be a very high scoring game. And I think that this is like the week where you're going to regret not trying to buy low on Robert Woods. I think that both Cooper cups and Robert Woods are going to have massive games here. Yeah, John Ledger pointed this out in two games between the Rams and the Bucks with Sean McVay versus Todd Bowles as DC. McVay's offense has thrown the ball 121 times, has only run it 26 times. I mean, that is a stark difference in numbers. And while Jared Goff in that time, because he is Jared Goff, has six turnovers in those two games, they still, still were able to put up 931 yards and 67 points. And so now you make this move so you don't have those six turnovers in two games, right? That's why you make a move to Matthew Stafford. So if McVay can keep it going in terms of, you know, having in some regard a blueprint to figure out a Todd Bowles defense and Todd Bowles loves to get experimental and, and get a bit aggressive at times with his blitzes. This is going to teach us so much about the Rams. And as we move forward, because again, no one runs against the box. You just invested so much in the quarterback position and you have pass catchers like in Deshaun Jackson and the Tutu Atwell and really Tyler Higby who've really even been used this season, Hayden. Yeah, I think Tyler Higby can bounce back here for sure. 85% of the routes last week, the Colts are like one of the hardest uh, teams against tight ends. And I think that he can have a big week here. I, I, I'm expecting the Rams to drop back a ton here. And I think it's just going to be bombs away on both sides of the ball. Because we already know the Bucks are just deep route after deep route um, for all three of their players. And we have Jason Pierre-Paul. He's missing some time in the Rams secondary. They kind of rotate a lot of pieces on the back end. They've played uh, who the the Jacob Eason and, and uh, the Colts last week. And who did they open up against? Like the, We're talking about the Rams? Was, yeah, the Rams defense. They haven't been tested yet, you know? Good question. All like, these games run together. Hey. I know. The the Bucks haven't the, the Rams haven't been tested with their a lot of new pieces on offense and the Bucks right. are ready to go. Like the, and if Daryl Henderson does miss some time, there are people who really believe in Daryl Henderson's talent. And I, I I think that there's some merit to that, but I also think that that 
position is more of a role than it is for a talent. And I'm not saying they're going to run a lot, but if it's extended absence or extended injury that lingers, I think Sonny Michelle can still be successful in it, in it just not not this week. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the Bucks offense because there's a lot, a lot to hit on here too. Just top down view. We've seen great teams like Kansas City lose. We've seen Buffalo lose. Let's say the Bucks on the road win this game. Hayden, overall, they're considered the best team in the NFL um, if if they do that because what an environment to go into. But also we have Antonio Brown on the COVID list right now. There's a possibility he does play. But what I think, and maybe this is just a narrative. What Tom Brady does so well is after Antonio Brown has a great week one, questions of Mike Evans, even on this show and our start sit show on Sundays as well. He's getting everyone involved. All the important pieces as we go along through the whole season are, are involved and in getting reps and getting opportunities. And they're all going to be needed in this game too. I am going with the Bucks as my underdog of the week, which feels like not fair, but they're catching points here, a, a point and a half. So they're my underdog of the week. And I think that what the Rams are just frustrating because you know, they're their like, favorites, right? The Bucks are, the Bucks are down. They're no, they're, they're favorites. The, really? Favorites, I'm looking yeah. at, Oh God, that's not They're good. favored by a point and a half. It opened. So it opened with the Rams as one and a half point favorites, but it swung Damn. in the Bucks direction at one and a half. <laughs> All right, well, play this three days ago, then you then you got it. Anyways, <laughs> just what I was gonna say, the point stands is the, the Rams are baiting you just to take checkdowns and march your way down the field. That's where their defense is constructed. Tom Brady's willing to do that. And they have the one-on-one matchups to make it work. And right now, uh, Jalen Ramsey's playing in the slot. He's probably going to see Chris Godwin a little bit more, but it's, it's a lot of zone coverage. I wouldn't be that concerned if you are starting Mike Evans or Gronk or any of these guys. I think it's going to be a lot of dinking and dunking, and I think that the yep. the Rams' defense, there's a lot of new pieces, and I, they haven't they just haven't been tested yet. Yeah, we, we've talked a lot about, about these defenses with, with two high safeties. Obviously, the Rams are running it. Um, and it because Raheem Morris is a little bit different than what Brandon Staley did last year, but like I would say the overall game plan is going to be similar. Uh, I'm fascinated to see where Jalen Ramsey lines up because you know, previously when he faces a wide receiver like Mike Evans, he's matched up with him. But Hayden, we've seen this year, he's been this big slot presence and spent half of his time there. And if they believe that they're successful in that regard, then he's going to continue to play there. And that means Rob Gronkowski and Chris Godwin and maybe a more of a Mike Evans game as well. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not concerned. I'm starting everybody on the box. It's just yeah. it's well. It's away. You, does that mean Leonard Fournette? You're starting? I think on the flex. I think you can. I think you can do it. I'm Ronald Jones had one pass blocking rep and he got Tom Brady killed. I think that Fournette is going to be in our RB two three lives quicker than you guys realized. Mm. Mm. Okay, last game in the four o'clock window: Seattle Seahawks, Minnesota Vikings. Shockingly big total here, Hayden. 55 and a half between these two teams with the Seahawks as one and a half point favorites on the road. Um, Minnesota's cornerbacks. I know that like Patrick Peterson maybe did a pretty good job against DeAndre Hopkins last week, arguably, arguably. But one, Cardinals don't move their wide receivers around. Their cornerbacks are still a mess. I mean, extended plays, wide open receivers. We saw it last week. Guess what? Seattle will move their receivers entire locket DK Metcalf around much more than Arizona did. I'm expecting a big DK Metcalf week because it's inevitable at some point. And I think it starts this week with this high total. Totally agree with you. I think that it's just inevitable. I think that the, the, the Seahawks often, it doesn't seem like that much different to me. They're under center a little bit more. 
they're a little bit slower paced they're or a little bit faster paced they're a little bit less pass heavy like there's not that, that much of a difference it's just gonna be tyler lockett and dk metcalf winning downfield a ton and just russell's his just touch on these deep passes is just undefeated and i'm with you that i'm not sure if pat pete could run with dk metcalf uh at this stage in his career and bashad freeland's been getting cooked and he's kind of injured right now so it's just like you know what to do with the seahawks so we're recording this show at 6.42 Eastern on Thursday evening. Dalvin Cook has missed two straight practices. We have been advocating for Alexander Madison to be up there among the Tony Pollard running backs drafted during draft season. Hayden, we might have our first Alexander Madison game of the season with a high, high team total as well. Are you shaking your boots a little bit? We have a lot riding on this, possibly, Hayden. Well, people are like trying to extrapolate, extrapolate the one game sample where he busted. But I think that this would be totally fine. The 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 scores like they're projected to score twenty seven and twenty nine points. It's like the game environment where you want to be starting Alexander Madison. So if Dalvin Cook is out, which we we're still got another twenty four hours before we'll figure that out. Um, I think that he should be an upside RB two um, for sure. The game environment looks pretty sweet. Okay, your name's attached to it. Uh, Anything else on Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen? I mean, we know the the usual suspects on this team. This is my actual up- upset of the week, the underdog <laughs> of the week. <laughs> on the fly. I mean, I couldn't believe – I wrote this column yesterday. When did the the the, the score change for, for the, the Bucks game? That's got me all filled. Forward-thinking show, Hayden. Forward-thinking right. show. This was literally yesterday when I, when I had my notes ready. Um, but, yeah, with the Vikings, I don't think that the Seahawks defense on the secondary is just well-equipped for Justin Jefferson – and Adam Thielen, I think Kirk Cousins is playing pretty well right now too. So um, I'm kind of concerned about the the Vikings offensive line with the Seahawks kind of new defensive line. But I think that the Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen's a lot to handle for the Seahawks quarterback depth depth chart right now. Are you saying Kirk Cousins is a tier one quarterback? No, no I would never say that on this show. <laughs> All right, here we go. Prime time game, Sunday night football on Big Peacock. Green Bay Packers, San Francisco 49ers, 49 and a half total, three and a half point favorites, the 49ers are. Hayden, Jimmy Garoppolo's first half against the Eagles is why a team trades into the top three for a quarterback. I mean, Kyle Shanahan was opening up receivers outside the numbers, down the field. He was flat out missing them, airmailing, off target. Then he starts calling screens. Those are poorly placed as well and ruined yards after catch opportunities. So what they do, they go on to run like 15 screens in that game, which might be hyperbole. It might not be. And then in the second half, he completes seven passes on 11 passing attempts, and they squeak out a game I think that they should have lost. Um, The training wheels were fully on. I think we're going to learn a lot in the first two series of if Jimmy is on fire, if he's like, on point and can hit those throws and how much trust immediately Kyle has in his quarterback still. But Hayden saying all that stuff doesn't even matter against this Packers defense. That absolutely sucks right now. It is so bad. There, it's a, a unit that's playing slow and you can tell that it's like the, the new defensive coordinator. It's just like, maybe it's too complex where the, the players are just not figuring it out. I'm with you. I thought that Jimmy G did not look very good, and he is leading the NFL in percentage of his passes that are screens. What's so nuts about that, though, is even with all that, 
he's still fifth in EPA per drop back. Like that's, that's what this offense with Kyle Shanahan, even when he's benching his best players and Jimmy G's kind of inaccurate, they're still super efficient whenever they drop back. And that's just like kind of the upside case that you get here. The, the other thing that really caught my eye is the Packers are projected to score the 21st most points this week. 21st. I know it's on the road, but that's kind of nuts. Like I would love to know the last time Aaron Rodgers was projected to score that few points. And the 49ers defense is quietly kind of banged up in the secondary. So yeah. that was kind of surprising that they were projected for that few points. Well, and those new corners came in last week and played really well. Now that was against Jalen Hurts throwing the ball and really the only downfield option of Devontae Smith. But we talked about it midweek that – a lot of those Devontae Smith targets were contested and the 49ers did like a really good job of winning those 50-50 situations. I think going up against Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams is like a totally different animal. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And if the Packers offensive line where Elton Jenkins has done really well at left tackle, they've had to move around some of the, their other pieces along that offensive line. If they protect him, Hayden, this is a possible underdog upset as well. Now, again, Somehow that defense and the Packers has to play so much better, not just be a group of individuals. Kenny Clark has to make plays in the interior of that defensive line for that to happen. But this is just a completely different offensive beast that you're going up against with the Packers offense versus the passing offense with the Eagles last week. And again, I truly feel like the Eagles should have won that contest. Yeah, that, I, I'm with you. The, the 49ers are winning, but it looks kind of sloppy still. So I was surprised that the Packers were catching this this amount of points in their projected score that few. The, obviously, the big question is the 49ers running back situation and yep. Brandon Ayuk. Do you have any strong opinions on either of those topics? No, we're getting it from like different angles of who it can potentially be. It sounds like if Eli Mitchell misses, then Kerryon Johnson gets elevated. They've also signed Jacques Patrick, who is like – an XFL star. Come on. I, I will <laughs> I will gladly say I never watched a single snap of the XFL star. Everybody's Eric Gauco and Justice Mosqueda. Um look, if Eli Mitchell misses, hey, there's also news that potentially Trey Sermon is active by that point and back on the field. But from like a role standpoint, because they are running backs by name, Eli Mitchell's talents and Trey Sermon's talents are kind of different. And you wouldn't get as many explosive possible plays from a Trey Sermon. You'd get more between the tackles runs, more one-on-one blocking, more power schemes. So top to bottom, Eli Mitchell, if he's healthy, he's the guy that's been established for the first two weeks. It sounds like he's dealing with, quote-unquote, more than a stinger, hasn't practiced yet. I would say that he's 50-50 to play right now. Um, If he's out, I think that next in line, which Michael Hasty for sure not playing, it's Trey Sermon. Like, you're not convincing me that this freaking XFL guy that they just brought in for knee braced carry on Johnson or whoever else that they're bringing in is going to play over Trey Sermon. So I'm trying to trade for Trey Sermon. I don't know what happened those those five weeks in the freaking Bay Area 51 where no beat reporters were able to tell me anything about this. I'm hoping that was just like a couple of fumbles and then that he's going to be back and then he looks okay. And I think that's what I'm projecting for right now i think that if if mitchell's out and trey sermon's active i think that he's the the lead back it's just too quick of a turnaround um for the rest of these guys what a crazy concussion though last week too i mean your first carry he's limited though yards. he's he's limited in practice already take a shot to the back of your head you immediately fumble i mean crazy craziness yeah. uh and maybe mvs i mean he's running wind sprints out there bad corners block up front deep shot to mvs okay let's close it out with monday night football 
The aforementioned Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys are four-point favorites at home, a total of 51.5. I don't like any underdog this week, but this is another one that kind of caught my eye with with the Eagles possibly here. Um, I understand like not believing in their offense, keeping up with the Cowboys offense, but Jalen Hurts is playing decently well, considering – 64% 64% of his passes are traveling to the right side of the field, that the middle of the field is completely wide open and he's not throwing there at all. Something has to improve there. But Hayden, and I'm going to keep going back to this, and sometime it's going to hit. The combination of Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, and Kenny Gainwell is looking really good. And there's going to be a game where that trio just dominates, but it might not be this week with Brandon Brooks on the mend as well. The problem like going in was the Eagles were like, oh, the trenches are pretty good for the Eagles. Maybe because they're so old, they can win some games early. And then they immediately lose two of their best defensive and offensive linemen, like already. And I don't know, like Jalen Hurts, he clearly could run the ball very well. He doesn't have happy feet in the pocket. He just seems so slow back there. And that's like, I mean, 91 of his yards came on that one pass where he threw a touch. And I think that he his accuracy is a little probably underrated but like it just doesn't seem like he's throwing the ball over the middle of the field for a reason you know and i'm not sure if that's just like all of a sudden fixable um so i'm, I'm going to be fading the eagles passing offense outside of devonta smith really yeah. and i again i will also add that i believe devonta smith has a big week incoming even with those passing consi- inconsistencies um on dallas's side we know you're starting mark cooper we know you're starting cd lamb we know you're starting dak prescott uh, i'll add that while on offense, Brandon Brooks being injured for the Eagles. Brandon Graham is also out on defense. That's significant. I'll add that my boy Javon Hargrave is an absolute wrecking ball on the interior. They have some dudes who can give the Cowboys offensive line fits. And because of that, Hayden, could we potentially get outside explosive plays from Tony Pollard and less interior up the gut from Ezekiel Elliott? I think both of their, their roles are kind of here to say. I think that Tony Pollard is a gadget explosive player and he's just going to be used in pony personnel. You're going to get some jet sweeps out of them. He's not the between the tackles runner that Zeke is. Zeke's going to do the dirty work, but I do think with as four point home favorites, this is a week where the entire country has just been talking about how bad Zeke looks where they say, all right, buckle up. We're getting 20 touches. We're getting Love goal it. line works and we're getting a hundred yards. And Zeke is still leading the NFL at running backs in routes run as well. So I don't, I just don't see that Tony Pollard's earned a role. He hasn't earned running back touches in lieu of Zeke Elliott. You know, like both of them could, could coexist. And I think that this is a situation where you lose a, a key piece of the Eagles defensive line. The Cowboys are at home and it's just going to be a Zeke game. Yeah. Just quickly before we get out of here, Connor, I think Hertz always has value with his yes. rushing. So like from a passing perspective, he might not get there, but the passing plus rushing makes him a top 10 viable quarterback each and every week. Okay. A couple housekeeping things. One, go play pick them. We have it right there. Justin Fields, 268 and a half total yards. Spend your 10 bucks. That's free from Hayden's pocket. Pick five, turn that 10 bucks into 200 and look out for the rivals page too. That's coming up here in the next few days as well. Um, We have Trevor Lawrence numbers. We have Justin Herbert at 23 
and a half fantasy points as well. Terry McLaurin, 72 and a half receiving yards. Again, pick them is so much fun. It's a great sweat. Use promo code the show and get a free $10 and like, and subscribe while you're here. I need everyone in the chat right now. I'm talking to you, Midwest monster, KTC, Brandon, as always, KC, Eric, Dante, Brian, Alex, all of you like, and subscribe. Thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting us and leave your start sits in the post show, in the comments down below the video. And I will get to them throughout the weekend. Hayden, did I miss anything? I still just tilting that the bucks are favorites now. Like I wrote this yesterday. This is ridiculous. Join us on Sunday. Animal from BDGE is taking phone calls from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern to answer whatever questions that you have. And then I'll be jumping on at 11 a.m. And we go all the way to about 1230 again. Taking big pregame show out back and doing it in the digital way that actually is enjoyable for all of you and meaningful for all of you. All right. Thanks, everyone, for Hayden. I am Josh. Up the villa, everyone. Talk to you all soon. See ya.